Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk church planting, theology, and drink coffee. And welcome back to another episode of Rugged Theology. I am your host, as always, Adam Diamond. Um, and today we have a special guest today. And uh, last year I reached out to him so you can tell how busy he is. Um, <laughs> uh, but today we have Matt Chandler of Acts 29. And I was going through a book through um, some of their kind of orientation stuff. I did assessment with them. And in order, in order to be Acts 29 Church, they had steps for you to reach. And this was a great book I did, and it was on uh, having like a family discipleship plan. And I thought, man, what a great idea for a podcast. So I reached out, and they're like, yeah, what about next year? And I was like, sure, okay. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll take Matt Chandler anytime I can I can get him. So uh, welcome, Matt. Oh, man, it's I'm excited to be on with you, man. Could yeah. Be a good time. So do do I sound Irish or anything to you? Or like, What are you picking up there? No, I mean, there's certainly an accent, but yeah. I'm sure you're picking up one from me, too. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, so, man, you you just sound more Canadian than anything else to me, so... That's, you know, a, they, that, that's an insult. <laughs> do, do other Canadians say that you sound Canadian, or do they say you sound Irish? No, most people would pick up more of an Irish accent. Um, oh, see, there I heard it. So yeah, yeah, it there. there. You threw it on thick hair. So, uh, but before that, no, you... I mean, definitely had an accent, but not not one that was easily placeable. You, you're starting to get that mutt thing where you've got multiple things going on. Basically, yeah. Creating a new accent altogether. And sadly, the more I travel to the States um, with for model and mission and that, um, I slow down my speech a lot for uh, people. And uh, yeah, I had one guy tell me in the States last year that didn't hear much of an accent. And man, my accent came out very thick then. Hold on. <laughs> I got I got very paranoid. I'm I'm not, I don't want to lose my accent. Yeah. Come on, yeah, I get it. It's a cool accent. All right, Matt. Um, so for our guests, uh, or sorry, for our, our listeners, um, a lot probably won't know Acts 29 or who that is. We have predominantly the Roman Catholic, Anglican, Episcopalian for you, or uh, some Pentecostal churches, and mostly that's okay. what that's what it is. Um, Baptists almost don't exist here, uh, especially Reformed theology. Uh, so why don't you just take some time, tell us who you are, your experience in ministry, a little bit of Acts 29, and then we'll go from there. Okay, well, um, primarily I've been the lead pastor of the Village Church in Dallas, Texas for over 20 years now. I'm in my 21st year uh, as the pastor of uh, our, our congregation here um, in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I've been working in some capacity uh, for Acts 29 for man, close to 15 years. Wow. Uh, and I've been everything from uh, a regional director to an area director to you, you name it. But right now, my title, I was president for close to a decade. Uh, my title right now is the executive chairman of Acts 29. And so I sit on the board. Um, and, and basically what I'm doing now is I work hand in hand with Brian Howard, who's the president of Acts 29, uh, for the sole purpose of planting churches globally. And um, that's what Acts 29 has done. We are a biblically serious, spiritually alive, zealously missional network of churches uh, that's very serious about preaching the Bible, very serious mm -hmm. uh, about spiritual life um, and the dynamic presence of God among us. Um, and, and understand that, that God's call on our lives is to uh, be on that kind of missional edge or that... Um, 
that redemptive edge uh, of his plan to seek and save the lost. And so we have, we've been planting churches all over the world for going on 20 years. Um, and that's what Acts 29 is. That's, that's really good for our, our listeners to understand. I mean, even the idea of a network is so strange here. It's a lot of denominationalism, uh, tribalism. You know, this is my area. We've always been established here. It's a, it's a fun place to start a church, let me tell you. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I, it might even help listeners to know that, like, uh, Acts 29 is broad in its denominational affiliation. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think there are 17 different denominations represented inside of Acts 29 so that they, they might have denominational affiliations and a network affiliation. So we have Presbyterians and Baptists and Anglicans, uh, a few Episcopals, uh, plenty of Charismatics. I, I don't know, like true Pentecostals, but but certainly Charismatics. And, Amen. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so so it really is uh, like the things that we're looking at, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like Augustine said, in essential, you know, in the essential things, um, unity. Um, and, but then in most secondary um, things, we want to have a lot of charity, although Acts 29 cares specifically uh, about a few secondary issues because we, we think it helps us understand how you read your Bible, what your hermeneutics are, mm. uh, and how you would approach ministry. And so where we have put emphasis on a secondary issue, we wouldn't police those. But at the same time, when you're being um, assessed to become a planter, uh, we're going to ask questions around those things. We're going to hope. Um, that, that you're in alignment with, with where our network is. Yeah, I've really enjoyed our assessment. Uh, we got to go to Nova Scotia and uh, okay. meet with a few guys and just sat down. We had just gone through the uh, Church in Hard Places curriculum over the two years, and so I was just going through those papers. And actually, I started out as more of a Arminian, and then as, uh, <laughs> as my papers <laughs> go through, it slowly transitioned. And actually, yeah. the, big, the biggest change for me was that our director and lead pastor of our Sunday church, Steve Bray, challenged me to preach through Jonah and not come in a Calvinist. Ah, ah. <laughs> so I was like, all right. It's hard to do. It's hard it, to do. It's on. And then, yeah, I lost that one. <laughs> or one, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it's God's will either way. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, but the, yeah, so I was reading this book on family discipleship and I was telling you earlier there wasn't much discussion growing up about how you have this plan going into a family to disable your kids. And we we say around here, kids are little sanctifying machines. That's true. They they show you very quick. And we talk so much here with other dads and we say like, you know, we're talking to our wives and saying, was I always this angry? Was I always this short of patience? I thought I was doing great. Like, why am I like this? Uh, but kids just know how to push those buttons and make you realize how sinful you can be. Um, yeah. But why don't, why don't we talk a little bit about what's, what do you think is important for parents to think about how they're going to disciple their, their children? Yeah. Well, I think if you start, if you think through the lens of um, theology, philosophy, practice, uh, I, I think the case can be made that the primary discipleship unit in God's plan for formation is the family, not the church. Amen. And, and so the the call on our lives as moms and dads is to disciple the next generation, specifically in our homes. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm studying to preach Malachi now. And when Malachi gets into, I think it's chapter three, where he starts to get into how God hates divorce, the reason given for why he hates divorce is because what God is after is godly offspring. So he, what he's after 
in our parenting, whatever else comes of it, is not just well-adjusted human beings, although I think that's important, but but he's after um, the next generation seeing and marveling at his goodness and grace because our primary purpose is that of worshiper. And, and so you, you see this in the Psalms, you know, one generation commends your works to the next. You see it in Deuteronomy with Shema in that, you know, mm. talk about these things when you sit down, when you lay down, when you're at dinner, when you're uh, going for a walk, when you walk through your door, when you go out your gate, when you're, it's just this, there's this consistency of conversation that's about the things of God that the Bible lays in front of us as, hey, your primary role as parents, in fact, I would say it's so built into the creative order that you are discipling your kids, mm -hmm. whether you think you are or not. And so I want to make the argument that let's be intentional about that because there's no way that we don't disciple them. We are showing them what's most valuable. We are teaching them what's important. We are, all of that's happening, whether you're intentionally doing it or not. So I just want to go, hey, maybe we should put just a tiny bit of thought into this, just a tiny. It's it's not, doesn't need to be crazy disruptive. You don't need to be, you know, J.I. Packer. You don't need to be some big theologian. You, you don't even know you to know your Bible, like, you know, cover to cover, mm -hmm. like, you know, some, some sort of brilliant but steeping in the Bible for 20 years. None of those things are necessary for you to disciple your kids towards a love relationship with Jesus and a growing trust in his kingdom. And it's it's so good to hear that as a parent because you, you often fall short so many times. Um, I don't think there's going to be any parent listening to this who's like, I've got it all together. I've got no. it all figured out. Uh, I've never got it. You know what? They, I, have, I have found. So here's what's great about pastoring one church for 20 years. Mm. There are some men and women who, for whatever reason, give birth to just kind of straight-laced, obedient children. And, and what that does is it creates this appearance that it's their parenting techniques and skills that have brought about this thing that we're looking at that on the surface looks like everything's you know all together and the, these parents must know exactly what they're doing. And, and really what might've happened is they just by the grace of God in some weird happening, just have really compliant personalities. Yeah. Um, and so, but most of it, and, and then I think if those parents aren't careful, those parents will start to think that it's their parenting that brought this about. Yeah. Uh, but, but the truth is, if our kids follow Jesus with all their heart or they wild out and go prodigal, I, I think that's them and the Lord and that we're we're called to do the best we can to put kindling around their hearts and pray like crazy that the Holy Spirit will light it. Be, because you can't, again, I'm, I'm in the Bible Belt of the United States down here in Texas, and the number of people that think they're Christians but aren't because their mom or dad did something like, hey, do you want to come to heaven with us or do you want to burn in hell forever? <laughs> Only to have their seven-year-old go heaven with you. Great, let's get you baptized. And, and then... They live the rest of their life with no visible fruit, no real love for Jesus, no seriousness about submission to his lordship, but consider themselves Christians because mom and dad, you know, wanted them to get baptized or something, you know, wanted them to be a Christian. And so they manipulated the process rather than trusting the, that the Holy Spirit would do the work of illumination. My children, I have one that listens very well. It's my daughter, my oldest. And I have a son who is, if I wasn't bald already, 
<laughs> I, I would lose my hair. And we're trying potty training now, and he kicks up such a fuss. Like, come on, he is the That's exact boys opposite. Stuff, boys are wild. Boys, boys are wild. <laughs> And so I, 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 me and my brother, I think we're pretty compliant. So I'm a twin. I'm, I have an identical twin brother, and we were both pretty compliant. Um, right. But uh, now this little boy, and I love him to pieces. But man, he uh, he stretches me. But I'm also learning. I'm a different parent to my daughter than I am to my son. Yep. Different personalities, and I've got to approach them very differently in how I discipline them, how I correct them, how I even admonish them. I, I've got to do it very differently for it to sink in for them. Yeah, no, that's what you're describing is super normal. Like anyone listening to this who has multiple kids is like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no one gives birth to the same person twice. That would be really weird, so, by the way. No, it would be if everybody had the same personality. So like I've got three, two daughters and a son. My daughters couldn't be more different from one another. I've got one that wants to ride horses and be outside. And I've got one that wants to, you know, have a YouTube channel where she teaches everybody how to put on makeup. You know, it's just like <laughs> the opposite end of the spectrum. One is fierce and fearless and one is uh man a little bit more reserved and quiet i mean they're just so different same house same rules um but their their little souls and bents and compulsions are completely different mm -hmm. and it's, it's a blessing god has done that for us right um because it stretches us it continues to stretch us continues to help us to grow spiritually rest more in god uh, one thing you said earlier was that we don't have to have it all together we don't have to know our bible cover to cover to minister to our children um, and one thing in the book says, you know, use everyday opportunities to disciple your children. Yeah. Um, so what, what kind of opportunities have you used? You mentioned before that, you know, you're in a different stage of life before we started this. Uh, what, what, looking back, what kind of things have you used to disciple and, ment and pour into your children? Yeah, some things that are like easy, playful things that you can do that will oftentimes get you into deeper conversations is... We play a game at our dinner table. We played a game at our dinner table uh, the kids' entire life. I mean, it, in, it, it was just a game that we called low high. And the game was, if you ask a kid, hey, how was your day? They're going to say, good. And then, so, yeah. so what Lauren and I try to think about is how do we ask questions that require more than one word answers? That, that's how it started for us. And so we would get together at dinner and we would say, um, what was, what was the worst thing that happened today? And what's the best thing that happened today? And even if they were like, you know, nothing good or nothing bad happened, then you, you, we just default to the great. What was your, what was your least favorite, favorite thing? Then we'll count that as your low. What's your least favorite thing. And then what ends up happening is the kids over the years would, they would open up doors as they would talk about this fight they had with their friend or this, um, this embarrassment or shame that they had in, in this, you know, being found out in this or being, and then we were able to enter into that mm -hmm. with them. Um, and, and oftentimes even stop and pray for them uh, or stop and pray for their sister or pray for their brother. And, and so, so much of discipleship is just modeling, just giving them a picture of what it looks like to have real conversations that are below the surface. And, um, and, and what we want to get to is, is those kind of deeper issues of the heart that we can lay before the Lord and ask for help and mercy. So that that has bore more fruit than almost anything else we've done. Uh, I think another another everyday thing, specifically if you have younger kids, is anytime you have in the car with a kid, you have a captive audience. Yeah. And whether that's something like the Village Church, the church that I pastor, we actually created a podcast 
called God's Big Story. It's a podcast for kids. It's not for grownups, but it's for kids. But the idea behind it was family discipleship. Mm. The idea behind it is you and your kid in the car together. We're talking about the nature and character of God. And you you, you get to talk with your kid after it's over. You, you've got these questions that you can interact with them on. So you're in the car together. You're driving to school. Um, that's a captive audience. That's not adding anything to your plate. You're actually, you're, you're already doing it. So it's not like your schedule increases or decreases. Family discipleship often, and, and we, you know, the big kind of three components are time, moments, and milestones. Well, time is like what we're talking about here. Like you're going to have dinner, so let's let's take advantage of that. Make you're you're going to drive somebody to school, so let's take advantage of that. It, it's not like we're going to do devotional Tuesday night at seven hmm. every every week, you know, or, or it, because I think the activity of life will strangle that out. It'll drown it out. But if, if in your normal routines and rhythms, you're being mindful and intentional, then, then that's what actually is the shaping force on their lives. Not just, I mean, gosh, the times we did family devotionals, I, I was just surprised we ever got through it without me having to whip somebody. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was just, it was wheels off. My, my kids have like endless energy. And, um, both my wife and I are both kind of charismatic personalities and lots of energy. And so, man, <laughs> those kids were too. And, uh, other than my son, who seems to be a little bit more, he's a little bit more, he's like in third gear while the rest of us are in fifth. And, um, and so those are the kind of moments that you look for, like being in the car together. And like right now, what you're seeing is with the phone and headphones is kids in the car with mom with their headphones on. And I would just like, I'm not a big kind of rule policy guy, but I would just like, those are spaces that like, you don't lose your kid you're, when they're 18 and go off to school or whatever. You lose them at 16 when they have their own car yeah. and you're not driving them anywhere again. That's where it stops. And so that window zero to 16 is huge. And I would take advantage of every time you're in the car together. And you're so right. We often think of like that family devotional time. It's got to be at this time at night. And then extracurricular activities come in, school yep. school events and concerts, and then church events, and then especially as pastors, is it just seems like everyone wants a piece of your schedule. Yeah. But you make use of the time you already have. It just makes so much sense. And when I read the yeah. book, I was like, "Yeah, why haven't I thought of this?" <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, it's to, it really is. I, I think if you, especially if you have more than one kid. Mm -hmm. And you've got two, three, four kids. I mean, it's not, I think we only have three and most of my staff has four. Mm. And, and so the, the pressure that that puts on the family is hard to get your mind around unless you're in it. Even if you're just like, Hey, each kid only gets to play one sport. Well, man, that's four kids. And if they're playing overlapping sports, I mean, you just lost your whole fall. You just lost your whole spring. You just lost your whole winter to their sports. Uh, or their dance or their, you know, drama or whatever they're doing, orchestra or band, whatever they're doing. And so it, it just seems that when Moses and Deuteronomy writes, as you go, as you walk along the path, mm -hmm. right? I was like, oh my gosh, how do we walk along the path? We drive our kids to school. All right. How, how do we talk about it while we eat? Oh my gosh, because we're going to eat. So let's just do Loha. And even if eating tonight is fast food in the car between games, we can play Loha. We, we can do it. And um, 
th those were the ways we were trying to think Adam and I were when we were writing the book. I love that idea of a low high game because my daughter is at that now. I'm like, oh, how was your day? Good. What'd you learn? Good. Nothing. I can't remember. I'm like, what, what yeah. do you mean? And even the teacher complains is all the kids are like it. They're like nothing. Or I, I had gym, I had music and that that's all they'll say. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like pulling teeth to try and get them to describe how their day was. Now, every now and then, if there's a bit of drama, my daughter will come sure. home and <laughs> tell us about it. But that, that's a great way to get them to try to more engage with their day and you. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's fun for them. Yeah, it, it, my my 14-year-old will still, I mean, I've got a 20-year-old, 17-year-old, 14-year-old, and it's still not, my 14-year-old still like, are we playing Loja? <laughs> I mean, she still wants to do it. And my older kids now can come back around and talk about how they knew when things were difficult for them at school or mm -hmm. they knew they were going to have a place to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so it even helped them not stuff it or bury it or keep it a secret, but they knew they had this place that that night, I know, I know I'm going to tell them this low. Um, and then a friend of mine uh, who lives in Virginia, he added the question of um, what, what negative emotion did you feel today that you didn't like feeling? Mm. And it was just another attempt to kind of draw them out and, and let them feel safe confessing a vulnerable emotion. Um, I, I thought, they, I think that's a great question too. We didn't write about that. He, he actually, I was just in DC this fall and he was telling me, this is the question we like to ask is, you know, on top of the Loha yeah, yeah. that we'll ask low negative emotion you felt high so you always end on the high note that's that's so good and i hope any, anyone listening whether you have kids or not um it's it's such good to take time to pour into children even if if you find yourself single like all of your life it's not that you don't have interaction you could be involved in a children's life at church um i had a single guy when i was in you know college who poured into me at a church um on the island and i'll never forget that yeah. so it's it's learning and making use of those everyday opportunities one thing that we've done is we've taken bedtime bedtime is more of that devotional read the scripture with the, with the kids um, and we go through like the biggest storybook that that Bible um, by Kevin DeYoung, which they love, and yeah. I love going through. And we also bought uh, the Little Pilgrim's Progress. So we're That's got, a great one too. Oh, it's so much fun! And even for me, like yeah. I'm going through, it and then like I'm getting emotional here, seeing how Christian is like. Yeah, it's just it just hits me. I'm like, oh God, I need you more. <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs> uh, but it's great to have those opportunities. And one thing that I also try to do um, is to apologize to my children when I've sinned and you know, nothing against my parents, but that's not something I saw a whole lot. And yeah. I've seen it having an effect already on, on my children yeah. that when I'm too angry or I do something that I, I shouldn't, um, and I apologize to them and we pray together. Yeah. Um, it, it's changing how my daughter is seeing that I, her father's not perfect. That's right. Right. And hopefully my son sees that as he, as he gets older and they yeah. see that, you know, but we serve a perfect savior and we're pointing them That's towards right. that, injecting the gospel and everything. You're modeling the gospel story to them, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, Hey, daddy needs Jesus just as much as you do. Absolutely, man. It, it's the number of parents that are so nervous about those failures mm. and, and won't own it. Um, actually it's an anti-gospel 
yeah. pretend like you don't ever sin. You, you're not ever the one that makes the mistake. You mm -hmm. can't be, you can't show your kids that weakness. I, I just think, no, you, you do own it and own it often. And, and that's the, like, it's no, daddy needs Jesus just as much as you do. There's only one perfect savior. So that's and, great. And if we're honest, I mean, there's days I feel like I probably need Jesus far more than my children's do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Matt, we've kind of answered like the last question I have for you, but is there any advice you would give someone who feels, who does feel inadequate? Like they don't know scripture enough. They feel like they haven't been discipled. Um, they yeah. feel, you know, a, a range of emotions around discipling their children. What advice would you have for them and creating a sort of discipleship plan and how to invest in their children? Well, so one, I would just commend you. I mean, you're listening to this podcast or watching or whatever. So you're feeling something you, you want to, mm -hmm. and that want to is by the grace of God. Um, and the, the good news is, is there is a, there are a lot of resources out there for you. Uh, I don't know the church situation you're in. I don't know, but like I, but there are like, even he's referencing a book that we wrote called family discipleship. And I would encourage you to grab that. And I'm not trying to I'm not, I'm not here to hawk that book. I don't get any, I, I seriously, you can look at the circle C. I'm not, I'm not, that's not copyrighted Matt Chandler. I didn't write that to make any money. I have not made and will not make a single penny off of that book. So I'm commending it to you, not, not to, you know, be American and make some money, but <laughs> right. uh, because I believe that what we wrote is true and good. And I think it will help you. Uh, I think it will help you one understand it's okay that you don't know everything, but also give you a little bit of these are things you can do even as you're growing mm. that, that can be implemented in real simple ways in the lives of your sons and daughters. So that I would start there uh, and then find other resources that you find helpful. Um, and and so that that's I think we even list some resources in the book that that we like and use. If you want to try to just start with the podcast thing, then uh, the podcast is called um, God's Big Story. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it's a 15, 20 minute podcast. It's made for kids. It's fun. It's almost always on the nature and character of God. So what we're discipling in is not like, don't lie or don't <laughs> steal, we're not doing moralism. It's not veggie tales. We're saying, actually lift your eyes. This is the king of the, this is the God mm -hmm. of the Bible. And go. it's done so well. The team has done such a good job at it. So th those are two places I'd tell you to start. Those are the ones I know best. And, you know, take solace in the fact, if you're listening, that, you know, we've failed, we've tried and tried again, but again, that's the gospel, is that we don't get it right, yes. and we need Jesus, and you example that, and you're already discipling your children. That's you right. Know, by making church a priority, by bringing them into gospel community in the church that you're in, having others pour into them, like, you, that's already a great place to start. Yeah. Well, thank you for the time, Matt. I really appreciate it. Uh, I hope everything's well for you down in Texas. It is. It's getting hot, though. It's getting hot. Summer's upon us. Don't talk to me about getting hot. Like, it's probably like, I don't know, man, probably like for only 40 degrees here, your temperature. Okay, well. <laughs> it's, it's a very, maybe 30. I don't know. It's like in between 30 and 40. 90 here, our temperature. <laughs> so I would take a little, give me a hoodie and a jacket over sweating through my shirt. So. Well, you come up anytime. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Bless you. All right. Take care, Matt. Thank you uh, so much. Uh -huh. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, 
visit www.themile1mission.ca.